You get into the goodness of God and what he's done, that'll make an Episcopalian shout. (laughs) Glory to God. We've got so many uh, wonderful visitors here with us tonight, and we welcome all of you and visiting pastors and folks from all over the country and everybody watching on the, the internet. We just welcome you, and it's just so exciting, as Pastor Steve said. And Pastor Steve, just a, a great big thank you to you and your amazing church staff for hosting this conference. You know, and and I'm I'm thankful you invited me to come. Yes. Glory to God! It's a privilege to be here. Uh, if you would open your Bibles, we'll just get right into it. Glory to God. First John four. I'm just going to kind of hook on to a, a part of what uh, Brother Kurt left off this morning. I, I was I he read the few verses and then I kept reading, and I got excited over what I kept reading. First John four. 15 through 19 from the Amplified Bible we'll, we'll be reading. And, uh, my subject, you know, we're, uh, this, the, the theme of the conference is the finished work, just how finished is the work. Amen. We need to really examine that. Is it really finished or is it just something we say? And, uh, if it's finished, how finished is it? And, we could then begin to tear it apart a little bit and look at parts of it that are finished, what, what, what was finished. And I believe that one subject that needs to be addressed is the subject of judgment from God. Amen. How many know that God is the great judge? Amen. How many know that he judged sin? Hallelujah. And that he does, and, and that as as uh, Pastor Kurt said earlier uh, this morning, that uh, uh, and and Pastor Steve had said God's attributes don't change. Amen. He's the same. How many believe he's the same God that he was from the beginning? He's never changed. Unchangeable God. Hallelujah. I used to preach a little message called Three Things That Never Change." God never changes. Jesus never changes. Whoever Jesus was in Bible days, that's who he still is. If he's a different Jesus, well, then we've got the wrong one. (laughs) Amen. And uh, whatever he did, whatever his attitude was, that's who he still is. Amen. Uh, And then, of course, the Bible never changes. Amen. The Word of God. So once you have the Word on it, you have it the rest of your life. Nobody can take that away. Now, so we're going to talk about judgment, and I'm going to subtitle it, Judgment, the Dread of Facing God. The Dread of Facing God. Let's just just get into that and see what the Word says. It's funny, we used to sing, uh, Oh, I Want to See Him, but then we would get a sermon about, Are you sure you want to see Him? We would... <laughs> We'd sing we want to see him, but then we weren't so sure after the end of the message. And then, you know, you could think that you were okay with God, but by the end of the altar call, you were pretty sure you were going to hell. So, uh, you know, uh, and, and the idea of your, you know, the, the one particular group used to sing a old gospel song, I know my record will be there ahead of me. 
And uh, there's kind of been a resurgence, I think, in some circles of preaching on, you know, facing God and giving an answer for everything you've ever thought and done. And I used to think about that, you know, I kind of got kind of a warped sense of humor. And I'd think, well, what are we going to do? We're going to stand there and, uh, you know, on, on uh, the night of uh, Thursday, uh, September, whatever, you know, 1974, you said a word that wasn't pleasing to Jesus. Uh, it wasn't completely offensive, but partly. It's not really a holy word. It was kind of a slang word that we're not to use as Christians. And you said that and you never repented and uh, you never confessed it, and now here it is hanging out there, and uh, what do you have to say for yourself? Because that was always the question, what do you have to say for yourself? And here you are standing in the great hall of judgment before God himself, and you, what do I have to say? Well, gee, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so I kind of grew up with always being sorry in front of God. I'm sorry, 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 okay? I'm really, really sorry. And then you're supposed to have faith to change the world on being sorry. You need a healing or you need a, a couple of dollars or something extra and you're going to believe God on sorry. You sorry thing. <laughs> so we dread, we kind of dread facing God. I've, I've even heard stories of, of Christ, folks that have been Christians their whole lives. And got to the end where they were drawing their last breaths and were, you know, they were saved. They were spirit filled. They were church members. They were, you know, really had, had been a Christian, served God their whole life and got to the end and really, really were afraid to fra- face eternity, afraid to face God because maybe there's something out there that's, you know, still, that's still out there undealt with. Uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, I, I confessed every sin I could think of. I, I've, you know, I've tried to deal with everything that I could imagine and, and still, you know, uh, still wondering, is everything good? You know, is everything fixed? So there's sort of a dread. How, am I making this up or is this, did this reach down this far south? <laughs> we had it in Georgia. I know that. I don't know if the epidemic followed. Across the state line. So we kind of had this question, well, what will you say in the, the dread of facing God? And once again, there seems to be a resurgence of, of, of preaching on facing God and the fear of the Lord being returned and all these ideas. And so I just thought, let's see what the Bible says about it. Amen. How about that for a, an idea? Maybe the Bible might say something about it. So then what will you say? Thinking about judgment and God being the great judge, is our judgment complete in Christ? Because we're talking about what's being finished here this week. Is our judgment complete in Christ or do we go to a second trial for the same crimes? I said, do we go to the second trial for the same crimes? Do we face the specter and possibility of double jeopardy? So we got to see which sins, how many would like to know which sins particular that Jesus actually paid for? Did he pay for all of them or just the real bad ones? Did he pay for the ones you remembered to say something about? 
Now, I kind of like, you know, if you think like that, I kind of like the Baptist. They have a wholesale prayer that some of them pray. And I don't blame them. You know, when you think about, you know, if you've got kind of shaky theology anyway on it, you're not sure, you might as well just buy the blanket policy and cover everything. So, you know, the the prayer, you know, you've heard it, you know, Lord, we sin every day in thought, word, and deed. And, uh, Lord, we ask you to forgive us of the sins that we know, sins of commission, sins of omission, sins that we don't know we've committed. We offended, you know, Sister Ledbetter. (laughs) She's led better than anybody else. And she's easily offended. And we offended her, maybe we didn't even know. And Lord, just forgive us for the things we can't, you know, we're just forgive, 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 forgive. And we're just kind of conscious of our sins and try to keep a list of them going. Because, well, we might as well, because the Bible says God doesn't keep a list, so I guess we might as well. That's a good idea, isn't it? God's not keeping a list, but he doesn't need to because uh, we do it and are encouraged to do it. And this is somehow some tie to holiness. So do we face the specter and possibility of double jeopardy? Did Jesus pay for all of our sins or just, you know, the ones, I don't know, whatever. So let's see which one. Have you found first John what yet? It's in the New Testament. All right. I'm sorry. That's rude. All right. First John four, 15 through 19 amplified anyone who confesses. So this is talking about all believers. Anyone who confesses, acknowledges or owns that Jesus is the son of God. God abides, lives, makes his home in him and he abides, lives and makes his home in God. This, once again, we get the concept here of unity with God, unity with Christ. Believe it or not, grace is not the stopping point, but grace is the vehicle to union with Christ. God's dream was not just folks walking around, you know, forgiven and cleansed and cleaned up. But God's dream would be that we would be one with Jesus. So when we're, when, so when we're, when we're, when we're saved, we're not just a cleaned up model of what we used to be. But we're part of the new creation, which is us united with Jesus. Preach, Brother David. All right, praise God. So anyone, everybody say anyone. Do you think that means you? Does that mean me? Anyone who confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides and makes his home uh, makes his home in God. We know God makes his home in him and he, the, the believer, the confessor, makes his home in God. It's, it, that's, that's the way it works. All right. Now, and we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of, by observation and by experience, and believe, adhere to, and put faith in, and rely on. Oh, thank God for the Amplified Bible. The love God cherishes for us, which is what Brother Kurt preached this morning. The love God cherishes 
for us. It's all about God's love. Hallelujah. Now, see, I was thinking about this thing with God kind of wanting us in some way to be sin conscious. And if he wanted us to be sin conscious, he really messed up with the new covenant. He'd have been better off to stick with the old one. Because the book of Hebrews says clearly that the National Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, provided, you know, a day when you could come and you could bring your livestock for the sacrifice. And the Bible tells us clearly in the book of Hebrews that that served, it, it, it did not serve as a cleansing for justification. It actually reminded the comers of the same sins over and over again. Uh, God did not only want sin to be erased. God wanted the consciousness and the memory of it to be erased. So if he was into, you know, a bunch of list keeping, he messed up. He shot himself in the foot. Praise God. Okay, don't everybody shout at once. I don't know if we should shout on that. I don't know. Okay. Now, it says the love... That God cherishes for us. God is love. And he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God. And God dwells and continues in him. In this union and communion with him. Everybody say union and communion. In the union and communion, it's about the union with Christ. There's the big picture. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us that we may have, attains what? That surely doesn't say that. Attain. Love is brought to completion and love attains perfection with us. Hallelujah. God's idea of perfection is nothing broken, nothing missing, no lack. The whole deal with the devil anyway is lack. God is the ultimate father, the ultimate lover. And God told man when he put him... I love what Brother Kurt said. God made a man and gave him a planet. <laughs> then he lost the planet. But he gave him a planet. Uh, God made a man and gave him a planet. But the whole deal of what was, I want you to think about the supply there. God said everything you could possibly desire, need, or want is here. And the devil came along and, and, and brought up the idea of lack. They hadn't thought about lack until the devil showed up. And he said... There's lack here. You lack the knowledge uh, that this the eating this forbidden fruit will give you. And so if you will do a work in the flesh and, and eat this fruit, you will have this lacking thing fulfilled. And man has been trying by the arm of the flesh ever since to fulfill the lack that we imagine that we have that God is not provided. Amen. Preach, Brother Horton. Glory. 
And that's why the devil will lie to you and he'll say you lack health, you lack money, you lack favor, you know, you lack... I have been in the you lack conferences up to my eyeballs. You're told for 45 minutes what you lack, and then we're going to have a special prayer down front to lay hands on you to give you the lacking anointing number 78. And usually the special anointing that you're receiving is a result of works. I prayed for nine weeks. I was in the desert. Well, they were in Palm Springs, but nonetheless, <laughs> was the desert. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know why you have to go there to pray, but, you know, there are some nice resorts. Now, uh, nonetheless, we're talking lack it says, attains perfection. In other words, all needs supplied. Spiritually, physically, financially, mentally, every way, full supply. God will supply. He is the supplier. Glory. According, like Pastor Steve was saying a minute ago, according to our sowing and reaping. No, according to his riches... In glory by Christ Jesus. Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap. That's another session. Yet God provides for them. Are you not better than birds? Okay, three people are better than birds. The rest of you are birds. In this, we attain perfection with us. That we may have confidence. Now here we go on this dread thing. How many know what I'm talking about? This fear of facing God in the big judgment seat. You know, you imagine God up on a big thing and you're down here, you know, a little tiny dot. With a microphone so he can hear you. Your little tiny voice in this halls of heaven. What do you have to say for yourself? This is our idea. This is our picture. Maybe I'm the only one that felt that way. That we may have confidence. Glory to God, we need to have confidence. That we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Woo! Bring it on, the day of judgment. I've got some scriptures here. Glory to God, that we can look at God, not with dread, not to, 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 to being with God on the eternal side with dread, but with joy and anticipation. Oh, I cannot wait. Like we used to sing in the old song, Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Praise God. I don't want to only see Jesus. I want to see God the Father. I want to see everything there is that's about God in heaven and eternity. Everything we've heard about and read about. Glory to God. Not, I don't know, I love Jesus, but God, woo, boy, he's scary. Is this helping anybody? That we may have confidence. This... So we're talking about what's finished. Well, judgment's finished. I'm trying to help you feel better. Now, you know, be careful. You become one of these people that fights for the right to go to hell. Be condemned and go to hell. Let's not be like that. Amen. Let's get it. We may have confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him. Boy, you just don't hear a lot of preaching like that. Talking about fear of God. Yeah, I would be afraid. Let me tell you where my fear of God would start. 
I'd be afraid not to accept this finished work. I'd be afraid not to fully put my trust in him because I know that all else, as we sang, is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. There's fear. There's a healthy fear there. Praise God. Because the rest of it is, there's no winning. All right. Confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him. Because as he is, so are we in this world. That really can't say that, can it? There's a, Listen, folks, there's not degrees of holiness. You either are or you're not. To be a little holy is like being a little pregnant. You either are or you're not. Take the test. It will tell you. So you, you're either saved or you're not. You're either holy or you're dirty. There's not a, there's not degrees of it. Half saved. There's no, I don't, under, I don't understand talk like that anymore. Never really did. You just act like you go along with it. <laughs> Covenants for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There's only one, there's only one kind of holiness. Pastor pre- preached on it Sunday night. There's only one kind of holiness and it's the God kind of holiness. And it's, and if, and if it's, and if it's the kind that God accepts and God receives, then it's perfected. There's no such thing as imperfect holy, because if you have imperfect, then you no longer have holy. And if there's no such thing as, as, as grace plus anything or, or finished work plus my helping it. Because the minute that you're I keep quoting these guys because they were so wonderful. But Pastor Kurt talked about that. You know, the the minute you add something to it, the minute you try to pay grace back, the minute you try to give God back something and and whatever. I'm not talking about serving Him or loving Him from your heart, but I'm talking about, well, you know, really I owe God something. The minute you're getting into owe and you're going to pay back with your flesh, your flesh that was redeemed by a gift is now going to be paid back for your flesh. Oh, that's just great. (laughs) Praise God. I'm trying to be bold. Hallelujah. Because I just love these verses. You just milk them, you know. Praise God. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And if we're not like him in the sense of this perfection of his righteousness and his grace and his holiness. Praise God. Then we haven't, then we're not getting it. Praise God. There is no fear in love. So you could put the word God there. Oh boy, this is, uh, 
There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. I didn't write this. Dutch people did in (laughs) Grand Rapids. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. We should never preach God from a standpoint of terrorist. God's the terrorist. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. He who preaches fear too would would be in this category is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. We love him because he first loved us. And we sing all these songs. We've been singing them our whole life. I love him because he first loved me. All right, moving right along. Second Corinthians 5, 19. We have more evidence here that the judgment on us has already been given. Thank God. I was judged with Christ and condemned. And condemned. We were con- John 3.18 says we're condemned already. We start out condemned. That's why it's called salvation. <laughs> Saved from being condemned. <laughs> this is really deep stuff here. Really, really hairy deep things we're getting into. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Look at this. Not counting up. And holding against men their trespasses. But canceling them. Now the minute you start preaching on grace and righteousness, I always say this, somebody brings up sin. I said, I'm glad you brought it up. We got scripture for you. 2 Corinthians 5.19 Amplified. We'll tell you that mine are canceled. If you want to keep yours, you can have mine too. Praise the Lord. Just make you a big list. My list might be bigger than yours. Committing to us. He says not. I'm sorry. Not holding up. Not holding. Not counting up. Holding against men their trespasses. But canceling them. And then committing to us. The message of reconciliation. Of the restoration to favor. Not the message of condemnation. The message of reconciliation. Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. Not seek and condemn those who were lost. Make them feel bad. Maybe if you make them feel bad enough, they'll turn from their wickedness. Praise God. For in him, now let's turn. Is this helping you at all? Got a lot of scripture here. Look at Colossians. 2, 9, we're going to read several verses here in Colossians. I don't think I'm going to get to all this. Praise God. Anyway, we're going to read some of it, all right? Colossians 2, 9. 
You know, you know this. The legal side of salvation is, you know, we talk about God's love and God's mercy and God's grace and God's goodness. But God is also the judge. The legal side of our salvation is, do you know why God has forgiven all of our trespasses? Do you know why he gave us justification? Because he is the just judge. He set the bar, the price for sin. Jesus paid it and fulfilled it. And when Jesus presented his blood to God as payment for the sins of the whole world, God said, judgment completed. I'm satisfied with the price paid. Hallelujah. And then we get to talk, we start there and get to talk about grace and love and mercy and 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 uh, all all of his goodness for the rest of our lives, but I tell you, it started with a legal decision. And if you read much of Paul's revelation, you'll hear, see a lot of legal talk in there, courtroom drama. Praise the Lord. For in him, you get you there at verse nine. For in him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell. In bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. And you are in him. Everybody say, I'm in him. Made full and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of of all rule and authority, every angelic principality and power. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision not made with hands, but a spiritual circumcision or a cutting performed by Christ by stripping off the body of the flesh, the whole corrupt carnal nature with its passions and lust. Thus you were circumcised when you were buried with him in your baptism, in which you were also raised with him to a new life through your faith, In the working of God as displayed when he raised him up from the dead. You who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Was that all of us? Amen. Your sensuality, your sinful carnal nature. God brought to life together with Christ. Look at this. Having, past tense, freely forgiven, past tense, us All of our transgressions that we can think of, that we can recall, just all of them. I think there's a period at the end of that. Having canceled, here's that word again. Surely that's not in the Bible twice. Having canceled, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I was just the worst sinner than everybody else. Because this just makes me happy. That I can rejoice in God because this is all done. That's so great for it to already be done. I don't have to worry about it. I got other stuff to worry about. Without worrying about me. Having canceled and blotted out and wiped away. Canceled, blotted out, wiped away. Canceled, blotted out, wiped away. Canceled, blotted out, wiped away. Could it be any clearer? The handwriting 
of the note, the bond, with its legal decrees and demands which was in force and stood against us, hostile to us. It's not your friend. This note with its regulations, this is all legal talk. We're talking notes and bonds and things and, and then he gets into heirs and joint heirs and it's all, it's, it's a, you need an attorney to read the Bible at this point. Really, this note with its regulations, decrees and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of our way. Cleared it out of our way. We used to sing another old song, nothing between my soul and the Savior. There's nothing between me and God. It's been cleared out of the way. And we get asked that question at altar calls. Is there anything between you and the Lord? No! It's been cleared out of the way. Stop asking me, because it's it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> Glory. Completely out of her way by nailing it to his cross. God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us, and he made fun of them. He made a bold display and a public example of them. In triumphing over them in him and in it, the cross. Therefore, let no one sit in judgment on you. In matters of food and drink or with regard to a feast day or a new moon or a Sabbath, such things are only the shadow of things that are to come and they only have a symbolic value. But the reality, the substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed, the body of it belongs to Christ. Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy. I tell you, you don't sit in any meeting anywhere, I don't care how fiery the preaching is, and make you feel condemned. If all of a sudden, as a believer, you're sitting there and you're feeling condemned and you're feeling ashamed and you're feeling dirty, and, and it's not the Spirit of Christ and it's not the gospel. Preach, Brother Horton. Umpires. Boy, we got some of them around now, I'm telling you. If you look, they've got the striped thing. Praise the Lord. I'm lost. Where was I? Okay. He says, um, he says, don't let anybody acting as an umpire declaring you unworthy. No one can declare me unworthy. I know better. Disqualifying you for the prize. It's, it's never enough. Have you noticed? It's never enough. Never you know, it's never, you, you've never prayed enough, you've never read enough scriptures, you've never given enough offering, you've never attended enough services, you've never uh, got into the higher levels of, of, of fill in the blank. It's never enough, never enough, never enough. Got to always go higher, higher, higher. I've been in meetings where we were going higher and deeper at the same time. We're doing splits for Christ. Praise the Lord. One person says, let's go higher, another one's going deeper. Wait, now, which way is it now? Because we need to know which way we're going. Hallelujah. 14 steps to the 19 ways to the 16, you know, whatever. <laughs> Some of you have been in the same meeting. 
Praise the Lord. You're looking for an exit door. Scream fire. Do anything. Get out of there. I'm about to do it now. Disqualifying. Disqualifying you. Anytime you're in a meeting somewhere and somebody's talking and you start feeling disqualified. You don't, you, you gotta do this to get your healing. You gotta turn one more corner. You're almost there, but you gotta turn just one more corner. You're just that close, but it's just around the corner. <laughs> Nay. No. Nunca. Uh-uh. Nope. Disqualifying you. Don't let anybody disqualify you. You qualify. By ner- by virtue of being a human being. <laughs> and God's creation, you qualify for the prize. Insisting. That, that These are the umpires. Insisting on self-abasement. We don't even have basements in Florida. How could we do that? You could have one, but you'd have an in-ground swimming pool. Worship of angels. Taking his stand on visions he claims he's seen. Vainly puffed up by his sensuous notions and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit. It's called a meathead. Carnal mind. Archie Bunker. Not holding fast to the head. This is the problem. Anytime you start managing your flesh and trying to fix everything, you have lost your head. You've lost Christ. You're no longer in union. You are now the headless wonder. I'm going to fix my flesh so Jesus will be pleased with me. You understand, here's the problem. Your flesh is the problem and you're by the flesh going to fix the flesh. Oh, this is genius. <laughs> Just start laying hands on yourself, you know. <laughs> this girl in the Bible school testified. She got so anointed, she laid hands on herself and fell out under the power. <laughs> That's power, isn't it? I tell you what, you knock yourself out. Glory to God. You wouldn't want her being your driver, would you? You know. Might want to pick somebody else. <laughs> Disqualifying you with their meathead. Not holding. Not holding fast to the head. They've lost their head. Don't lose your head in church. Don't lose two, two tips for church. Don't lose your head and don't drink Kool-Aid. <laughs> Turns out bad sometimes. From whom the entire body <laughs> supplied and knit together by means of its joints and ligaments. <laughs> Grows with a growth that is from God, not yourself. If you then have died with Christ, let's die tonight. 
Who's ready to die for Jesus? I am. It's got benefits. Look at this. <laughs> if you've died with Christ to material ways of looking at things, let's die to that. What'd y'all do at the church? We killed ourselves off, man. We need to, we need to kill ourselves off. It's a, like, like pastor said, we need to spend more time in theology and less in anthropology. You did say that. And I agreed with it. I'm putting that on Facebook. <laughs> Praise God. Glory to God. Or any other ology that you're interested in. Look at the. Can you believe this is in the Bible? He says, um, if you've died with Christ, we need to die, man. You're going to die in this service. <laughs> if you've died with Christ to material ways of looking at things and have escaped from the world's crude and elemental notions and teachings of externalism. That's the problem. Everybody's looking, you know, what do people see when they see you? God, I don't know. Guy that needs to lose weight and get on the treadmill. Probably. Why doesn't he do something? Why do you live as if you still belong to the world? See, we talk about worldliness. My Lord, have we got it flipped around. We thought, the cure for worldliness is externalism. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He says, why do you live as if you still belong to the world, you worldly thing? Why do you submit to rules and regulations? Well, because if we don't, they make our life a living hell. <laughs> I, okay. Such as... <laughs> Because Paul never dealt with some of the people that we have. <laughs> it's true. All right. Such as, do not handle it. You think Paul is trying to get this over to us? He's explaining him and the Dutch people. Do not handle this. Do not taste that. Do not even touch them. Come out from among them and be ye separate. It was our motto for years. Then we found out nobody wanted to be by us anyway. <laughs> we thought we were being separate and they didn't want us. We were being shunned and too dumb to know it. We, we've come out from among them and they're separate. No, they ran away from you years ago. 
They go to that church, you know. God only knows what goes on in there. We used to be we used to be accused, us Pentecostals used to be accused of hanging from the chandeliers and we never could afford chandeliers. We, just a few of our churches had light fixtures on chains. Most of them had shop lights. And so, dear God, just been in the last few years and we got lights on chains. All right. Then it went out of style. All right. What? What? Why do you submit? Well, I told you why, Paul. Let me introduce you to some folks. All right. Referring... To things all of which perish with being used. To do this is to follow human precepts and doctrines. Such practices have indeed the outward appearance that popularly passes for wisdom in promoting self-imposed, self-imposed, not God-imposed. Not God-imposed. God's not imposing this stuff. It's you imposing on yourself. Self-imposed. Rigor of devotion and delight in self-humiliation, what I've given up for Jesus. Now, have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed the giver-ups for Jesus are never happy about it? They're mad. There's an anger in their voice or their testimony. I want you to know what I gave up for Jesus. Now, the problem with them, you better run because they're going to make sure you give it up too. Track you down. Report you to people that can be reported to. Whoo, glory. Look at this. To do this is to follow human precepts and doctrines. Such practices have indeed the outward appearance that popularly passes for wisdom in promoting self-imposed rigor of devotion, delight in self-humiliation. It's all about ourself, isn't it? Self, self, self. Sister self. And severity of discipline of the body, but they are of no value. How much? Because this, some folks think this is the road to holiness. This is the road to dealing with sin. This is the road to dealing with lust. This is the road to dealing with, you know, temptation and all the wrong things. This is the way to go here, buddy. Well, it says here they are of no value. Well, that's Paul's opinion, but in any way, it's pretty good. They are of no value. Some people put a lot of value on this stuff. You probably don't know anybody, but I know a couple. They are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. Because that's, that's the idea, isn't it? If we, if we, if we control ourselves, then this will keep us in check. This is our idea. We get, we, we need to, we need to have rules and we have to, need to have plenty of them and we need to know what they are and we need to memorize them. We need to teach them to others. 
And we need to enforce them. Rigor. It's rigorous, this stuff. They have no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh, the lower nature. If you have a church and it's rule run, it's rule run, little grace, little, little, you know, little freedom, just, you know, just, just, just rule, a rule regulation kind of thing. And a lot of sin consciousness, a lot of altar calls where a lot of sin is brought up and a lot of things and a lot of groveling over it and things that go on there. Let me tell you something about it. You're not going to have a church any cleaner than some church down the street with a, with a, with a, with a better, better message. But what you'll do is you'll, you'll, you'll have a lot of people hiding a lot of stuff. <laughs> Like my dad, you know, <laughs> my dad pastored, you know, and I'd be with him on the street, you know, some town and he'd run into some church member smoking. It was a big deal smoking. I said, we're the only people that will take away your cigarette and give you a donut. <laughs> it's much healthier. It's, it's, it's not clogging your arteries. It's how you do it that counts. And uh, so, anyway, somebody, you know, some poor dude, you know, hooked on tobacco, you know, he, he'd already been in the tobacco casting out demon line. He'd laid them on the altar, everything. But now he's got, now he's had this tremendous testimony. I've been delivered from cigarettes. Well, you know, stress comes and about the next Tuesday, he isn't so delivered, actually. So he gets his cigarette out, you know, and he's... He's, he's got it and he's hiding it because he sees the pastor come down the street with his little son, me. And we're here we are. And I'd watch him. And they'd take the cigarette, turn it inside here, and the smoke would come up the sleeve. <laughs> and my dad, on purpose, would hold him there. They're trying to, well, I gotta run, Brother Horton. I gotta go to, well, no, no, let me just tell you, you know, about some revival we're having or whatever. Choir tryout, I don't know, something. <laughs> chicken dinner, we're gonna put a new roof. Uh, gotta, gotta have chicken fryer, people. So, anyway, he's got the cigarette, you know, the, the, the smoke's coming up the sleeve, and my dad would hold it long enough that the guy's, you know, his neck's on fire. And then my dad would say, your head apparently seems to be on fire. Should we call the fire department, you know? Uh, Brother Horton, you caught me. Well, you can see there, it didn't work. The rule didn't work. There are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh, the lower nature. Instead, they do not honor God, but serve only to indulge the flesh, actually. It feeds it. Can you imagine that? Isn't that weird? The very thing... That we're trying to use, that we're trying to conjure and concoct to control what God has taken care of by the blood of Christ. We're trying to come back around. We're committing the sin of Eve in the garden. Hath God said, does that, you need to do this to have the victory. You need to do this to have strength against sin and wrongdoing and worldliness. This is what you need to do. You need to do it this way. And so we're going to come up and we get our fig leaf uh, sewing machine out. 
We're going we're gonna to sow fig leaves and we're going to do all kinds of rigmarole. Rigor. Rigmarole. Welcome to Rigmarole Christian Center. We'll give you more things than you could ever do in a lifetime. Forty steps to healing. Seventy steps to faith. Forty steps to holiness. We're contending for the glory. Well, just, why don't you just accept it? Stop contending and just walk in it. Dear God in heaven, life's too short to contend. Well, it's almost here. It's around the corner. It's just a coming. Oh, you know. All right. All right. Romans 8. Can you handle just a few more verses of Scripture this tonight? Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. Amplified says, no judging guilty of wrong. Why? Because it's already been judged. For those who are in Christ Jesus... Who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. Now that really was added. They thought they were helping the, the, the King James people. Uh, but let me show you how to qualify for that. How many want to know what are the qualifications for being a person that walks in the spirit, not in the flesh? Because there's whole seminars about that. But there's Romans 8, 9 says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. There. Done. All right. Now, uh, let's see what else we have for judgment and no condemnation. John 3, 17 and 18. Then I'm going to read a couple of pages of this. I mean, not a whole page, but just a few points here. And then it will be done. Praise the Lord. For God did not send his son. Just thought I'd remind you again. God did not send his son into the world to judge I'll read it again because it got quiet. In this Lutheran conference by the lake. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge. Surely that doesn't say that. I'm going to read it again. For our internet people. (laughs) For God did not send the Son into the world to judge. In order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world. But that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. Something different. He who believes in him, who clings to, trusts him, relies on him, is not judged. He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment anymore. You could add any more and it wouldn't change it. It would help it anymore because you've already been judged. For him, there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. He who does not believe, cling to, rely on, trust in him is judged already. He's already been convicted. 
has already received his sentence because he has not kept the rules of the... No? No, because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The cure for condemnation and being under it is believing on the begotten, the name of the only begotten Son of God. Salvation is the cure for sin. That's why it's saved. Right. <laughs> he is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. All right. Now, can you can you handle a little, just two seconds more, Prof? Something. This is this was this was really good. This was written by uh, a man, a theologian, nineteen twenty-two. Praise the Lord. And is considered a classic amongst evangelicals. By gospel preaching, sinners are to be told that they may now stand forever pardoned before God. Wouldn't that be a great thing to, to wouldn't that be a great thing to tell sinners? Not because God is gracious enough to excuse their sins, because he doesn't. Because if he had excused their sins, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. God's not taking sin lightly. You know, again, again, sometimes folks that preach grace are accused of, well, you're, y'all are soft on sin. You take sin lightly. You're not serious about it. Oh, no, we're serious about it. Praise the Lord. It says serious is God. Amen. God said sin is such a serious thing that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Hallelujah. Sin is serious business. It's the whole reason. For Jesus' death, burial, and, and resurrection. So not because God is gracious enough to excuse them or just turn his head. But because there is plentiful redemption through the blood that has been shed. Romans 3.24 and Ephesians 1.7. Being free to forgive at all, God is free to forgive perfectly. I'll say that again. Being free to forgive at all, to forgive any any transgression, just one, if he just forgave Eve. See, uh, he is free. God is free to forgive perfectly. On no other ground can the marvelous statement, having forgiven you all trespasses, which we just read, Colossians 2.13, be understood. The scripture is addressed to Christians and is exactly defines the scope of divine forgiveness. It's not just addressed to sinners, it's addressed to Christians, which is theirs. It is likewise indicates the measure of forgiveness or how big, which is offered to the unsaved. When God thus forgives absolutely and eternally through the cross of Christ, He is acting as judge. See, we're talking about judgment tonight. What's finished? Judgment's finished. By this judicial decree, he sets aside forever all condemnation. I said he sets aside forever all condemnation. One more paragraph. Judicial forgiveness. See, these are, I like these are legal terms. Judicial forgiveness itself is not an act of grace, nor is it judicial forgiveness a mere act of divine clemency. 
for some particular sins of present moment to the sinner. Judicial forgiveness covers all sin, and by it the sinner is, uh, as to possible condemnation, pardoned forever. (laughs) This is the too-good-to-be-true gospel. Surely, Brother Horton, it can't be that clear. It is, because Christ died once and for all. He's not getting back up on the cross every day to cover stuff everybody lists out out there. (laughs) This pardon covers all sins past, present, or future. Glory to God. I'll tell you, it's too good to be true. But it's the truth. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your... Let's just praise him. Thank you, Jesus, tonight for your perfect work. Thank you, Lord, for your perfect work. Thank you for your perfect redemption. Thank you, Lord, for your perfect salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the great work of grace that you've done in all of our hearts, in all of our minds, in all of our spirits, in all of our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you now are free. You freed yourself to love us and lavish us with your imagination of goodness to us. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's praise him and thank him again. Lift your hands and thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Divine healing is a part of our covenant. Jesus qualified you for healing tonight. He qualified you for redemption of everything. Somebody here has been having serious stomach issues. Like pain, like, uh, you know, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's, it's alarming to you. I don't know if it's from ulcers or what it's from or if you've had a diagnosis or just you're suffering in silence. But uh, if you've got a real serious stomach condition.